0: G'day and welcome back to We Are Human. I am Sam Friday. I'm very, very lucky and blessed to be the host of this podcast. And my special guest today, Jaden Nikarima. ...possession with Nicarima. He's got talent. He's got pace. He's got skill. Oh, that's a forward pass. Is it? No. Play on is the call from the referee and it
1: will be a try. And we just praise the defensive effort of Jaden Nicarima.
0: The Sydney Roosters have officially sacked Jaden Nicoretta after the young star failed a second run it
1: wasn't my Jaden someone must have influenced him do you know what I mean like I just could not still believe that it was Jaden
0: yeah I, I, I was like I was a bit like my, my dad
1: I, I was pretty disappointed you know my initial thought was you know what an idiot uh you just thrown you just thrown your NRL career down the drain That's why I'm here sharing my story because um, although it might not seem big to others and people might look at it and think, mate, you weren't even close to doing it. You don't know how close or what sort of moment or position I could have been in like back then and yeah, we just got to speak up about it, I guess.
0: Welcome. How's it going, mate? Good, thank you very much. Now a professional rugby league player at the Roosters, started off your career at the Brisbane Broncos in the the under-20s in 2014 and 2015, but uh, mate, I think it's best uh, for you to jump into your own story and and tell us uh, a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, so Jade Nicarima, um, 23 years of age at the moment. 24 next month, actually. Oh, jeez. So getting, getting old, old. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But yeah, I was at the, the Bronx. I signed uh, with the 20 straight out of high school. You just had a trial at Redcliffe and Hook. Yeah, the um, Brisbane Broncos. Yeah, hey? asked two of the boys from the 20s to come up just as a bit of experience. And I ended up playing better than Cody. Nah. <laughs> but um, straight after that game, they got me straight into the NRL system. So from seventeen I was always in with the the NRL boys and, and living the dream. Um I had a bit of a bit of hype around my name. Um, yeah, so yeah. for people that
0: don't don't know, uh, your brother Cody. Cody plays for the, the Warriors at the moment. Yep. Uh, and uh, has also represented his country in New Zealand yeah. and uh, you know played uh, a lot of football at the Brisbane Broncos as mm. well. So. He
1: starts it! He finishes it! Electric speed off the mark. I think it genuinely is going to be a great buy for the club.
0: It's good and bad having a successful older brother, isn't it?
1: Yeah, no, it is. He's um, definitely doing the family pro, but um, I sometimes look at it, I think... That could have been me because, yeah, obviously growing up we played together but uh, my name was always sort of touted to be better than Cody Yeah. and at the time I didn't believe myself as much as everyone else did um, and I sort of used drugs and alcohol as my escape to um, get through them times Yeah. and I signed with the Sydney Roosters as a 18-year-old just after shoulder surgery so I moved down there by myself. Um, going through a tough period through rehab, um, obviously wasn't used to the kind of training that you get towed up in, in, in rehab because it's completely different to the normal training or, or the field sessions, which we live and breathe every day. So to be put on a bike um, and doing the row and all that sort of stuff, you, yeah. you go through some tough times. As a 18, 19-year-old, I was in Sydney and then I was still around the drugs and alcohol scene and that was when um, the Mitchell Pierce incident happened. Yeah, I'd just like to uh, start, I would like to un- res- reservedly apologise to everyone for my actions over the last couple of days. My behaviour was unacceptable. I'm embarrassed to take full responsibility for my actions. I was fortunate enough, or in a sense unfortunate enough, to play the World Club Challenge. Go really well and then debut two weeks later and from that point onwards it was sort of just downhill.
0: It was a fairly quick rise to start in the NRL. You, you talk about, you know, having a shoulder surgery after a junior competition in the under twenties, going down to Sydney, playing for the Roosters in your first season down there, yeah. due to a, another off-field incident. But um, I want to go right, right back to the start, and I want to talk to you about your family environment. Until we, before we get into, you know, the nitty gritty of of the story, as a kid growing up, family meant everything to you, didn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely, I have the best family, um, still do, like we're all pretty close, actually now, so I'm based in Mango Hill and there's five family houses within like two kilometres so yeah, we've always been a strong family, um, I've got three brothers, Cody, and then I've got two younger ones, Isaiah and Harlan, yeah. um, and they've sort of not really been into footy, Izzy played a little bit, um, and he's a bit of a couch couch support at the moment yeah. <laughs> with Cody's footy, but in my mind, like I was just on the fence of whether I wanted to be a professional footy player or just be, be a rat bag. But um, my parents are pretty strong people, yeah. so pretty independent. My dad was in the army for... Military background? Yeah, yeah. A, f- uh, a long time in New Zealand, yeah. based in Burnham. And then mum worked for the police, Yeah, um, answered the triple zero call. So she's...
0: Yeah, so disciplinarian parents, you know, strong family culture there, growing up, uh, you know, all together, three brothers. I'm yeah. sure there would have been a lot of fighting and, and all those <laughs> things going on. But uh, Cody, the older brother, he was a bit of a superstar, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah. He was, he was recognised at a young age to be a, quite a good talent. How was that for you growing up? Not, uh, not necessarily living in his shadow, but yeah. you, you, you put that pressure on yourself, don't you?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So... As a twelve-year-old Cody got signed, I'm pretty sure, and that was that's like unheard of now. Freak, yeah, you yeah. just never do. It. And I think there was only like two other players in one. Grown, of them. He hasn't grown
0: since <laughs> he was twelve, though. He he got that big when he was twelve, and yes, he, he stopped. He still got it. the
1: same amount of facial hair too. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I've always looked up to Cody, and he's always sort of dragged me along with him. Whenever he did like extras at the park with Dad, it was always Jaden come like you gotta do this. So. Yeah. It wasn't as like he was Cody was leaving me, me behind, but the the fact that like um everyone was always talking about Cody, yeah. and then like you're just Cody's other brother, it sort of it hits different as a young fella. Yeah. Um and that sort of like, always got me.
0: How did it make you feel?
1: Oh, just like I wasn't good enough, especially growing up like from, I'd say from twelve to about 16, 17s, because I never made any rep teams. Um the first rep team I made was like the second div. In the 15s, was like the 15s white school boys team. Yeah. Um, and then I missed out on all the club rep teams until 18. So yeah. seeing Cody make all their teams, like although you, you're proud, um, and he, he would never put dirt on me, but the fact that everyone else was talking about him and Cody had all these other contracts, it's yeah, it sort of just makes you feel like you're not good enough.
0: You see your brother make it in the NRL. Yeah, it comes through the 20s system. You actually get to play a bit of footy with him uh, in the under-20s at the Broncos. How's that for you?
1: It was pretty funny because uh, the first round I was fullback, starting fullback, and Cody was um, the starting halfback, and by round three, I don't know what happened. I don't know whether he was a better fullback or whether I was a better half, but we ended up switching, yeah. um, and that was just the kind of plays where we, we could sort of adapt in the spine, and yeah, that's a highlight of my career so far, playing with Cody. Actually, this year, I had to play with alongside my dad, and my little brother, so yeah. uh, unfortunately Cody uh, sort of been put to second yeah. at the moment because playing with dad was something else, but yeah. um, yes, it's always special playing with family.
0: So, uh, you know, growing up as a kid, seeing Cody succeed and um, seeing his development into becoming an NRL star, was that your plan, was that your goal in life, you, you wanted to become a professional rugby league player yourself?
1: I guess it was just, it was always my identity, so to for me to give up rugby league and just be like, alright, I'm going to be a police officer. Yeah it just wouldn't fit me and I think I would have fallen way further into depression um, than I would have so rugby league for me was easy um, and I just kept going along with it but I was still like I said on the fence of whether I wanted to do it or not and that's why I started yeah obviously from 15 16 you, you sort of start to hang out with the wrong crowd and or not wrong crowd but you sort of you try to figure yourself out yeah and that's what I was doing and well, Cody was uh, making the rep teams on camps and stuff. I was sort of at house parties with with all his mates um, that were like a few years older than me, thinking I was cool. So yeah, yeah, that was the kind of life I was living.
0: It's definitely hard. Um, you know, I can even as a kid talk myself. Uh, you know, I had a, an older brother who was always better than me at at any sport he tried. He was always smarter than me, and and being compared to him uh, was always such a tough thing. But yet. You know, you, you kind of got into the system yourself. You signed with the Roosters in 2016. Yep. Uh, and you go down there. You, you play the World Club Challenge. How was that to start off with? Because that's a that's a massive game to debut in. It's not even here in Australia. It's playing over there in the UK. Talk us through that.
1: Yeah, I was. I'm the kind of person like doesn't really like let anything get to him. Yeah. And so the occasion didn't really hit me, but I would have been only about like four weeks into full time training at the time from the the shoulder. So yeah. My first five minutes of that game, um, Gassed. knocked out. Oh, knocked yeah, out, yeah, <laughs> which is pretty standard in my junior footy. I got knocked out a, a fair bit, just going head in. First, we just but. praised the defensive effort of Jaden Nikarima, but just got his head into the hip of Sione Katoa, and he was out and will not be seen for the rest of the game. We had a camp, a week camp in Dubai beforehand. Yeah. Um, and then we had a week in Manchester, so this the whole two week lead up to it was yeah something special, but um I thought like if I was in the same mindset now that I am, that little two week camp like would have want made me want more, but just at the the mindset that I was in, yeah, I went out in Manchester and we got on the drink, and I was more excited about the the, the nightlife afterwards yeah. than what I actually did on the field. Um, so, yeah, hindsight's obviously such a good thing now. Yeah. My mindset at the time was, I don't give a fuck. And that was sort of the the kind of way I played, but that was my kind of life off the field too. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to be a role model to anyone. I didn't want to listen to anyone it's always been me like even in school uniform for instance you'd have to wear the right like formal uniform on on Wednesdays and I'll be there wearing sports uniform five days a week just because it was more comfy and that's what I wanted to do yeah Um, there was times where I had to hand in an assignment on time and I just wouldn't do it I'd forge mum's signature and yeah that was just the kind of the standard I set in school but it sort of faded all the way through outside of school into like the party life and once you get on the drink um that don't give a fuck attitude leads to you jumping off um fences onto tables and trying to outdo everyone with who can swallow the most pengis or sort of stuff like that so that was just yeah i know uh straight after the game um we had a curfew and there was like three of us boys like some of the senior boys too that broke curfew and just went through all the night and If they can do it, some were origin stars, then I can do it. And although I hadn't made a name for myself at the time, I was obviously looking up to them. And if they're setting that sort of standard, then I was obviously going to follow suit.
0: You get back to Australia and you get to start the season off with the Roosters. Did mum and dad come over to England to watch you? Nah, nah. So this
1: was the first time that they got to watch me play. Yeah. And... Yeah, I don't know. I think the whole time I was just looking forward to tackling Greg Inglis. Yeah. <laughs> at the time. I tried to do Yeah. Greg English, yeah. I actually got a mindset. Yeah. It was like the first two minutes and I was like buzzing. Yeah. I remember just thinking, what just happened? Yeah. Um, but that whole next eight weeks is just a massive blur to me. Um, at the time, I w- wasn't in, living in the moment. Yeah. Which uh, was one of my regrets. But it's something that I really I don't want to remember. Yeah. It's, yeah. I sort of want to put that eight-week life behind me and I always tell Cody and whoever talks to me that if I ever get or when I get back in the NRL and and my next game, that'll sort of be my debut because, yeah, that sort of life that I had at the Roosters and the person that I was back then I just want to forget about.
0: It's funny that you say that because you talk about being a kid and, and wanting to become an NRL star and you get there, you make it and there's kids out there that play every weekend in and out and all they want to do is get to the point of position that you're at. But you're saying you want to forget that now? Yeah. Because that was your mindset. You just
1: yeah, and yeah. you kind of feel half selfish too, thinking about it. Because you look like I've been out to uh, junior footy, and yeah. you hear what parents do to get their kids there, and even what my parents did. Um, all the the travelling that they did, and yeah. even after the Rabbitohs game, Mum and Dad in tears, um, knowing that I made or oh, my dream or well, their dream become true. Yeah, and yeah, just to wipe it all away. Like it still, it still cuts me a bit deep, but. Um, it's a bit of a fire in the belly.
0: When you move down to the Roosters, 18-year-old kid, uh, you've got some success by debuting, not necessarily on the field because I think you lost your first six games yeah, or something, like, something that. like that. But what's it like for you now down in Sydney? You're, you're 18, you're of age where you can go to pubs and clubs. What's the culture like down there for you?
1: It was different senior. Like I've been around a big family. Yeah. Um, so I moved to... Sydney. First off, um, had a two-bedroom apartment to myself, paying six fifty a week. And back in Brizzy, you pay what three? Oh, we're paying six hundred bucks for a six-bedroom house here in Bridgel Downs. Actually, yeah, back in Brizzy. So yeah, to move away from family was it was it was a challenge. But I knew that um, getting away from my family, I didn't have to hide anything anymore. So instead of like coming home, chewing my jaw off um, and facing mum and dad. I know I could do that and just face myself, um, be in my room by myself and yeah. even invite friends over um, for kick-ons and stuff. So that was um, a massive change. And if I had it around again, I'd probably bring one of my family members with me. During footy, it was a bit of a shock too because at Bronx, I was sort of always a fringe player. Yeah. Um, all, the, all the regs, we called them. And during pre-season, you never really have to do everything that like you're starting 17 have to do like the opposed sessions and stuff the yeah. other boys are on the side so to be thrown in the deep end and and going up against like Mitch Pierce and the Reggie's team like that was a a massive shock and during training I wasn't obviously doing my best because I wasn't used to it and I I was on a three year contract but um like my first year just I felt like it was it was sort of done and that's when I like sort of started diving into the drugs and alcohol scene and I, I sort of lent on um a few boys that some of the NRL boys introduced me to. Yeah. Um, they weren't anything to do with rugby league but they sort of comforted me heaps and always messaged me to come out for a beer and at the time without like family, like that's sort of what I needed and yeah. I lent on them a bit and although they're, they're good people, it just wasn't the right people to be around. Yeah, so you
0: kind of uh, dabbled a little bit throughout high school and drinking and then You get down to Sydney, the leash is off, you go nuts. At any point in time, do you sit there and start thinking to yourself that it's becoming a problem?
1: No, not once. Not at all. It's that
0: don't give a fuck mentality.
1: Yeah, and I even got caught um, with my first drug um, charge my second year and I got a phone call from my manager on, it would have been like a Tuesday, and on the Saturday we had Listen Out, a festival, Yeah, and not one thing in my head thought, all right, you're an idiot pull your head and you've got only like one more chance where you can get sacked like lose all this money yeah. and that Saturday I got back on it yeah. so that was obviously the, yeah, this, the, the attitude or the mindset that I had
0: you had the first uh, incident where you, you got caught on an in-house drug test yep and then your second strike when did that come and how did it all happen and occur
1: I was in Brisbane at the time, and then flew back to Sydney. Had a big night Saturday. Flew back, got tested on the, the Tuesday. But the second strike was um, after our wild Grand Final. Yeah. Um, Roosters win the semi, and they they lost. And after our Grand Final, we lost. So we sort of we met up on the Sunday, or well, Saturday. Might have been. We had a, obviously a big night um, at the pub, and I've just gone a couple of extra days. Yeah. Further than I, I should have. Um, we pulled up on the monday and i got tested on the thursday in-house and usually as a rule of thumb um us boys know that two to three days it's sort of out of your system yeah so i thought monday thursday it's done i trained went for a run um on the wednesday in between and yeah thought i would have been sweet um yeah i got tested on the thursday and then it would have been like four or five weeks later i get a phone call It was just after my 21st birthday yeah. and the CEO was um, just like, mate, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just at lunch and he just goes, oh, you've been done for your second strike. And I was like, what do you mean, mate? It's been like four weeks. Usually it takes two weeks to come in so I thought I was was off. And in the back of my head, I sort of knew um, that I was going to get done but I just did it anyway. And once he told me that, um, it hit me that I was about to lose a lot of money. I just had my house for about two, three years and mum and dad were in the middle of um, starting their, their new business that they're in now, so someone had to pay the mortgage and, yeah, I, I was kind of stressed out and that's when I just decided to to ask around with the boys and, and figure out a way to uh, get away with um, the, the drug charge, obviously, and, and lying about it. So
0: you uh, throw the text message around to the lads and get one of them to... Sign a stat deck saying yep. that they spiked your drink.
1: Yeah,
0: it's that same mentality, isn't it? You don't give a fuck mentality. You just wanted someone to cover you so you could, again, sweep it under. Wipe the it.
1: Yeah, and I got yeah. away with a lot um, growing up. Yeah, like we talk about the the uniform sort of thing, and yeah. I didn't have any consequences as a young kid For in your school. Actions, yeah. yeah, like yeah. in the league program, um, you're good at footy, so it just gets wiped away. And even during under twenties, there was a couple of incidents where. I should have been suspended for off-field incidents, but they just got brushed aside and got a slap in the wrist. And I'm not blaming them in incidents, but that was just the kind of mentality that I had that I was going to get away with this. Untouchable. This incident. Yeah, Yeah. that's how I felt um, growing up. So I sent the message out, and uh, me and one of the boys agreed to to go through with it. Um, I said I wasn't going to let you. Do it without any coin because this is a massive risk and you're about to save my career. So I was offering him um, some money and, yeah, he took it. Uh, We're about to go through with it. And then, man, I don't even know what happened. Like, it just, he stopped talking to me. Um, He was supposed to go to a court date and just didn't show up. Yeah. And then when I knew that he didn't show up, I had a feeling that he was talking to Channel 7 or yep. the Roosters maybe just to cut it down. Um, so I, I pulled the pin. I just messaged him and then messaged my lawyer because I was paying for a lawyer at the time too to, to lie for me pretty much. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just messaged him saying, mate, it's done. I just want to move on with my life. I was ready to just work a nine to five job yeah. um, and go forward and then... Yeah, didn't hear anything for about six, seven months, and that's when it came out on the news that I lied on, um, lied on a stat deck, and I knew that the only way it could have came out on the news is if he a, he said he lied too. So nothing against him; like it's all, it's definitely all my fault. Um, yeah. I should never have lied to. Like I talk about whenever you make a mistake, just take ownership of it straight away. So yeah. obviously you, you gotta live and you learn, and um, although that's a Big fuck up in my life. I will definitely yeah. um, learn from that one. I had a meeting with the CEO, and he's telling me, All "Right, mate, you got twelve counselling sessions with the doctor, and the doctor was like a bit of a hippie, like and smoker, like no teeth." And I'm yeah. just like, "What? What's she gonna teach me?" Yeah. Um, so I just was like, "All right, sweet, are you sure like no one knows?" And as I've walked out of the CEO's door, um, Robert was there. Yeah. So Robert, the coach of um the the Sydney Roosters was was standing there and he just had like a normal conversation with me. And then I walked downstairs and like none of the boys knew and I was just like, All right, well where's the consequence for this? Like it's
0: fly under the radar in the first one, kinda think you can fly under the radar for the second one, but it all kind of falls to shit and you end up going through court, headline news, front page, back page of Brisbane papers, Sydney papers. The Sydney Roosters have officially sacked Jaden Nicarima after the young star failed a second drug test. A Roosters spokesperson confirmed
1: tonight that the club had released the 21-year-old utility. Oh, rock bottom. Yeah. Definitely, like, I think what sort of hurt me the most was um, I was flying back to tell mum and dad. Yeah. And as I've flown back, it's come out on, on Facebook and the news and I've got in the car and we would have been like 20 minutes from home and dad calls mum's phone saying where's Jaden and I knew from the tone of his voice that he knew and he goes just make sure you bring him home next thing you phone you, know, you, um, you get a, an, an alert message from the courier mail because that's where I first found it I was going blah 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 blah." the main headlines Jaden Mail, done for drugs blah 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 I was going So I
0: double-checked it, and fair fair enough, and I knew Jaden was flying back, and that's when I called uh, Deb's phone, and I said to Deb, Deb,
1: have you got Jaden yet? And she goes, yep, we're on our way. I said, all right, just make sure you bring that that boy home. And I've walked in the house, and he's just, like, bawling, crying, and I'm like, fire out, like, what have I done, and... As like a, a moldy kid or like a Polynesian background like we're used to getting hidings like nothing yeah. against our dads but like it's sort of what taught us discipline discipline yeah, yeah. so yeah. Um, I had two jumpers on at the time just because I was like brace myself and yeah to see dad cry it hits differently and it hurts more than actually getting a hiding so from that point onwards I was in rock bottom and I couldn't do anything to get myself out. Yeah. Um, my identity is footy and I was banned from footy for two years. Wasn't allowed to play footy. Couldn't get a job anywhere, like my, my name was just tarnished everywhere. Yeah. And I thought there was no way out. Cody messaged me probably like half an hour later saying, Bro, is this true? But I didn't have the balls to respond to him, so so how bad it was. I think it took a toll on him because I remember he had a discussion with me saying,
0: Bro, like I'm I'm done with footy, like I just wanna I wanna give it up. I just wanna go work
1: a job or go travelling and hang out with my mates and then I said, Jaden, don't don't do this.
0: You grew up pretty well, you had a, a good family background, good family environment, but the hardest thing you you had to do now is tell your mum and dad about what's happened. You look your dad in the eye and how'd that go for you? No, not could like not this.
1: Good. I couldn't even look him in the eye. That's how sort of gutless I was. I'm not too sure when it sort of hit me that um, how selfish I was growing up or yeah. or what triggered me because even after that point, I got done drink driving. Like, it would have been eight, nine months afterwards, so from that second strike, I was rock bottom and there was times that I wanted to just take the easy option out yeah, um, and just drive my car into a pole or commit suicide and... I always thought about my brothers, Um, so they they were the ones that sort of got me through, but um, I just thought, fuck it, didn't care, and just drugs, alcohol become worse, taking different things, going for five days out of the seven seven days in the week, and yeah, yeah, it got bad.
0: So you come back to Brisbane now, mum and dad know about the second drug charge you, you lose a contract massive contract with the Sydney Roosters those next few years you thought you hit rock bottom there but you didn't do you, you, no nah, you
1: yeah it got worse it would have been a year after like everyone knew I was I was talking to Redcliffe um at the time just to train with him not to play because I wasn't allowed to play for for two years and yep. even then like the QRL like no nah, he's not allowed to train and for someone that like always like trained footy and I didn't touch footy for three years, so yeah. we're talking about my identity. Like, once you sort of lose your identity, you you don't know who you are and um, you sort of start to try to figure yourself out again or, or not even that, like, hang out with people who, who don't know who the real you yeah. or the, the story about you taking drugs and, and being this bad person. And I started doing that, but the people that I started hanging out with were people that love drugs and love partying, love doing stupid things, and um, we talk about uh, not giving a fuck, and man, they didn't give two shits about anything, yeah. I think, most of the boys, like, didn't graduate school, and um, they had they had good jobs, but come Friday, 12 o'clock, we were all at the Mango Hill Tav, have, like, drinking beers, and yeah, on it again. yeah, it wouldn't stop till Monday, so, um, although I thought it was, like, a bit of an escape every Monday till about Thursday. I was just thinking like what what can I do like yeah, how can I get myself out of this rut um, and the most popular thing that kept popping in my head was bro just Nick, like just do it kill yourself and I think if I wasn't living with mum and dad at the time it would have been done if I didn't have my brothers around and like if I was still in the same position as I was in Sydney yeah. then yeah it would have been game over but I'm just fortunate I've got a, a strong family and something there kept me going um, and i'm grateful it did
0: In a deep spiral at the moment drinking drugs and you talk about wanting to end your life how
1: close i've been in the car at times when i've like driven and just like started bawling my eyes like pulled over and even at home like i remember having a conversation with my little brother harlem i told him about like how i just just wanted to end it and like to see him crying like it's just like i I don't think i'll ever be man enough to do it but even the fact that like a 19 year old's thinking about um doing it all it takes is a big night on the piss and that little thought would trigger him to do it so yeah i I don't like talking about the the suicide and all that stuff thinking about now like if if my 19 year old son said that um and and we didn't speak about it then Man, I would, I wouldn't know what to do, like so that's why I'm here sharing my story because um although it might not seem big to others and people might look at it and think, mate, you weren't even close to doing it. You don't know how close or what sort of moment or position I could have been in like back then and yeah, we just gotta speak up about it, I guess.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: You see I couldn't even talk to mum and dad just because I've let them down. Yeah. So to go to them and talk about suicidal just to talk about my feelings i think yeah i would have felt more more of a failure than i already was yeah. um i've got my little brother there but um to put that on someone like my little brother yeah i'm supposed to be the strong one in the family and and holding it down for for him so that's why i felt so vulnerable at the time um yeah i was pretty independent growing up as i said before so i, I sort of wanted to be alone but um yeah, it wasn't what I needed.
0: I think that's that mentality, especially of a man, that you don't want to bring anyone else down. You don't want to bring them into your shit. Yeah. But I think that's the most important thing is you you need to get it out there and you need to have that conversation with someone, someone that can listen, someone that you can lean on to, hopefully, mate, give me a hand up. You know, I'm not looking for anything else. I just need to get it out there. I think that's where we need to change our mind mind shift as a, as, as men is get out there and, and speak about these things because otherwise you you do bottle things up and you don't know who to talk to and then at some point in time it explodes whether it's in violence or anger or into some type of substance abuse where you can numb shit so I really appreciate you saying that
1: the biggest thing for me was like obviously owning my actions like I, I never owned anything yeah. um, even growing up and after I owned my actions we, was talking about it and that's why, I like, talking with on my podcast, the Bro Chat and um, the Building Better Humans one, yeah. I didn't know how good it felt to actually let it off my shoulders and as blokes you sorta of, you hold on to things and once you talk about it, man, it's it's a massive relief off your shoulders and yeah. I think if I knew about your story and, and going through what you went through, I would have felt more warmer to, to coming out. Like someone who's of your caliber representing your, your country and playing origins, like it, it would have felt more natural for me to do it, but no one at the time was no. really doing it. So that's why this this potty is um fire.
0: I think the hardest thing with any professional organisation, a sporting organisation, is that a lot of the times you're seen as a product and you know that's definitely hard because you put your heart and soul into a team that you love or you you wanted to play for 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 such a long time but do you think there was enough support there for you going through what you were going through
1: the first one um no nah, like you get 12 counseling sessions yeah and then it, it's sort of wiped away like no one's asking you is there a deeper problem yeah um do you miss your family do you need to go back home and all that stuff and it's probably what I, I needed um, yeah. at the time to, to go back home, but um, that aside, after the second drug charge, I had nothing. Nothing from the Roosters, nothing from the NRL. Um, once my contract got ripped up, it was just like, see you later, and yeah, I sort of have like a little bit of a burn for how they treated me yeah. back then. Like Even though I did the wrong thing, two wrongs that make a right, and like as a 19-year-old kid, especially after all the deaths that we had at that little that period, um, time, yeah. period, yeah, so I heard nothing from the Roosters.
0: Which is very tough, but you talk about now wanting to get back into the NRL. Do you think by sharing your story and getting back into the NRL, you can be an advocate for change in that area?
1: Yeah, and that's definitely something that I want to do. Right now, at the moment, I obviously don't have the the name to... Um, make that change yet So we're starting in schools um, With like 13 to 18 year olds And, and running bro check camps And yep. doing like all these little Like sports programs With kids who, who want to aspire to be there yep. um, And then hopefully by the time I get back into the NRL We'll build a big enough program To go bigger and, and make a change in kids because I think The biggest thing Or even my story It starts as a, a 13 to 18 year old And if we can change yes. Change them there Then we will, obviously won't have that issue Once they feed her into Elite sport, so...
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, My mum always uses the analogy of making a cake. And if you don't have the right ingredients to make a cake, your cake turns out like shit. Yeah. So essentially... (laughs) You know, if we can start at at a young age, thirteen, fourteen, and we make sure that we've got the right flour in there, we make sure that we've got the right rising agent that we can rise above whatever adversities we have. We make sure that we have the right amount of butter so we can just slide past whatever you know shit gets yeah. thrown our way. As long as you got those things in there, your cake's going to turn out all good. Yeah, it may be a bit lopsided here or there, but. The cake's gonna be okay, so I, I think that's fantastic what you're doing.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to wait till I get back in the NRL to make a change. That's yeah. why I'm starting now because too many times people are like, "Oh yeah, I'll just wait till till that particular moment." Yeah, um, the moment's now, so yeah, So we're doing it.
0: Playing footy with the family at the moment. How's
1: that for you? It's been life changing. Yeah, like, actually, I've finally decided to enjoy my footy. Yeah, I think. Last year, I, I didn't even make a break, and or well, the year before, playing for Ready, and I was someone that like always made breaks. So I sort of lost the love for, for footy. Yeah. Um. This year, I know it's only open twos, but just playing with my uncles, um, my, my dad, my brother, which is a big highlight. But we've got like three, four of my uncles who are, they're over forty five years old, and to see them like ripping in, like it's just, yeah, it's changing. And um, obviously, family is like a big value to me, and. I lost that value going yeah. off track and being around them week in week out um, through all three days a week. Every Saturday after a game, we have a beer with each other. It's yeah, It sort of made me realise how precious life is yeah. and I want to do them proud too.
0: Now definitely trying to turn your life around at the moment and get back on the right track. You're doing heaps of positive stuff at the moment, aren't you? Trying to put positivity out so you can get it in return.
1: I think for me, helping people makes me feel feel good about myself. And yeah. although it might look like I'm helping people, they're helping me um, also. It's changed me a lot. And it started with um, meeting Glenn, Azar. We did a Redcliffe Dolphins footy camp. And I remember on the way to the camp, like I was still, don't know what I wanted to do. I think the week before, I still would have been drinking and on drugs and stuff. So I was still in that rat bag phase, I call it. Yeah. Um, and in the camp, Glenn. Spoke about his son, Christian, who's 15 or 16, I think, but he's, uh what is it, the autistic, yeah, autistic, so he's, he's on the spectrum, yeah. Yeah, yeah, age of five or six, and, yeah, mental capacity uh, of, yeah. A, of a six year old. Yeah, so he spoke about him and how he can't take him to any footy games, and literally, he didn't choose this life, that life chose him, and I just thought to myself, oh, like, yeah, I've been gifted this perfect opportunity, and my dad's like been able to take me to footy, but this is what I'm giving back to my dad Yeah, and I remember sitting there and I'm like all right, I'm going to rip into this this camp um, and then yeah f- sort of from that point point onwards I reached out to Glenn yep because I've seen like psychologists and all that other jazz that you have to go through to get back into the NRL and it didn't change me it didn't resonate with me and I just looked at all these people as like nerds and like what do you know yeah and yeah after talking with Glenn I reached out and he just goes mate I'll be happy to help and mentor you the first session we got in and he goes be here at 5 and i was just like i don't have a job like i'll just come at nine he goes now 5 30. i knew at that stage if i'm going there at five he'll realize that i want to change and i got there he just goes mate i'll mental you but just just no bullshit yeah. and i think coming from like my dad being in the army and him being so like stern like that on me yeah it's sort of yeah reminding me of my dad And I was just like, all right, well, if I can't talk to my dad, you sort of act a bit like dad too. So I'll give this a crack. And yeah, I obviously haven't looked back from then on. Um, I've done a couple of fundraisers throughout the, the time. And, I remember at Bronx I was in the back of like the footy um, the fitness groups and stuff like I hated running and Glenn and the boys always set challenges and oh, I think I, I was
0: just in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: boys always like push you to to be better and do better. Yeah. Um and always to, to challenge your limits and within like a, a 4 week period I went from running like a 5k to doing like a a marathon. And I was like, fire out, like, what the hell? And me and Colo, Cameron Cullen, did yeah. a um, fundraiser for Mitch Cronin. Yeah. Obviously, I um, unfortunately passed away and he was a massive figure of the Q Cup and Colo's obviously lost his brother um, and at the time, there was so much stuff he had to pay for, but all the family wanted to do was grieve. And yeah. he reached out to me. and goes, bro, we've got to do something for him. So we got together, messaged heaps of NRL people because we knew that was how you can make money and yeah. raffled off and ended up getting like 22K. Yeah. And then from then, there's a young boy named Hendrix who yeah. he, he collapsed um, and had a brain tumour at eight years old or nine years old. Um, and the older sister has autism as well. Yeah, And so we had to... um. Raise enough money to try get a house, so they could have two wheelchairs in the house. Yeah, um, and they're still going at the moment trying to find a house. But we ended up raising, um, I think it was over sixty k at the time, and it still like hasn't hit me yet. Like what we've done, I don't think it will until after COVID. But I felt like we got way more out of doing them fundraisers um, than what the the family got out of it. So
0: you used to surround yourself with um, some real rat bags back in the day. You surrounded yourself now with some great people and some great leaders. Do you look back on any of it and regret it at all or do you see
1: it as a lesson learned? So if you asked me that question probably seven months ago, I would have regretted probably 15 years of it. But yeah. no, I definitely look at it as a lesson and it's, it's driving me today. So yeah, I'm just looking forward at the moment.
0: For people out there listening and don't take offence to this that will probably see you as a sport brat that, you know, had all these opportunities and just threw it out the window. What do you hope they can take from your story?
1: I guess firstly, who you surround yourself with matters. That's yeah. definitely a big one that's helped change my life. We talk about you are the five people you hang out with. So if you hang out with four negative people, you become the fifth. If you hang out with four positive people, you become the fifth. And I think um, in my story that's pretty evident. Yeah. Um the next one is my story could happen to anyone. Yeah. Like literally anyone, and that anyone could be your friend, that anyone could be your little brother, and I think you just gotta keep an eye out. Definitely, most days a week, ask someone if they're okay, uh, and always, yeah, always keep looking and just be nice to people because yeah, you never know what the person that you're you're looking into or the person that you're having a conversation with is going through. What's next? I'm hoping to get a preseason somewhere. I just signed with the Dolphins, and they're obviously along with. The Warriors So if I can snag a pre-season Somewhere I know that I can be good enough To get another contract Um, But it all just depends on Where the NRL's Heading these days Yeah My body's in the best shape My mind's in An even better shape And I'm around Awesome people So I just know that If I can get another opportunity I'll take it with both hands This time
0: Jaden, thank you very much, mate, for taking us through your story. Obviously, uh, from the highs and the lows. And, mate, I'm excited to see what's next for Jaden Nikarima. Cheers, Bala. Thank you. Great comeback story from Jaden. And it gets even better. Next week, he starts training with the Melbourne Storm. And he's expecting his first child in the next few weeks. Congratulations, Jaden, on what has been a roller coaster journey so far. We wish you all the best going forward.